1: With me to discuss CGI second quarter fiscal 2020 results, are George Schindler, our president and CEO, and Francois Boulanger, executive vice president and CFO. This call is being broadcast on CGI.com and recorded live at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. Supplemental slides as well as the press release we issued earlier this morning are available for download along with our q 2 MDNA, financial statements and accompanying notes. All of which have been filed with both Cedar and Edgar. Please note that some statements made on the call may be forward looking. Actual events or results may differ materially from those expressed or applied and CGI disclaims any intent or obligation to update or revise any forward looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events or otherwise. The complete safe harbor statement is available in both our MDNA and press release as well as on CGI.com. We encourage our investors to read it in its entirety. We are reporting our financial results in accordance with International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS. As always, we will also discuss non-GAAP performance measures, which should be viewed as supplemental. The MD&A contains definitions of each one used in our reporting. All of the dollar figures expressed to this call are Canadian, unless otherwise noted. So with that, I'll turn the line over to George and Francois to discuss the quarter. Over to you, George.
2: Thank you, Lauren, and good morning. First, on behalf of CGI's entire executive leadership team, our thoughts are with those of you most affected by COVID-19. I also want to acknowledge and thank our clients and all others delivering essential services to those in need. On behalf of CGI's employees around the world, we are proud to be supporting our clients and their customers and citizens with critical technology services during these uncertain times. In March, more than 90% of our employees successfully transitioned to working and delivering services remotely. We rapidly mobilized our resources and systems to maintain continuity of service for our clients. I want to take this opportunity to thank our employees for their commitment and ongoing engagement in support of our clients, CGI, and our communities. While the pandemic has created unprecedented business conditions, our Q2 performance is a reflection of our resilient business model and operational excellence. Before sharing some additional perspectives on how COVID-19 is currently impacting our business and how we are responding, I'll ask Francois to review the specifics of our Q2 financial performance. Francois? Thank you, George, and good morning, everyone. I will share the results
3: for our second quarter, and in doing so, highlight the main drivers behind our financial performance. Revenue in Q2 was $3.13 billion, up 2% when compared with last year. On a constant currency basis, revenue grew by 3% year over year. CGI Federal grew 7.3% in Q2, as large task orders previously booked continue converting into revenue. Scandinavia grew 19.4%, driven by last year's merger with Akendo. Central and Eastern Europe grew by 7.5%, largely due to both the Akendo and CISIS mergers, and in the UK and US commercial and state government businesses, saw revenue decline in Q2 to 2.1% and 4.6% respectively. In both cases, the decrease stems from a strong comparable for last year's second quarter due to a large financial services IP deal. IP-based services and solutions represented 22% of revenue, flat year over year, but up sequentially by 1% or $47 million. The impact of COVID in March resulted in clients delaying award decisions. As a result, bookings were $2.8 billion in Q2 for a book to bill of 89% and $11.9 billion or 97% for the last 12 months. Backlog remains healthy at $23 billion, or 1.9 times current revenue, the vast majority of which is comprised of managed services engagements. CGI Federal and the UK had booked to bills of 28% and 77%, respectively, as governments were more focused on addressing the public health crisis, resulting in delayed award decisions. The UK and CGI Federal both maintain strong government backlogs and pipelines comprise of larger long-term deals. Scandinavia booked 104% of its revenue in Q2, while Central and Eastern Europe booked 129% of revenue on the strength of winning additional work with existing clients. Adjusted EBIT improved to $483.2 million in Q2 and included $9.3 million related to IFRS 16. EBIT margin of 15.4% expended by 60 basis points year over year. The region driving this improvement were Canada with an EBIT margin of 21%, mostly due to the benefits of previously announced optimizations to its infrastructure business. Western and Southern Europe with an EBIT margin of 16.1%, up mostly due to the recent actions taking to exit Brazil and refocus the Portugal business. And Asia Pacific with an EBIT margin of 28.2%, which reflects the quality of delivery and ongoing client trust in utilizing our offshore services. Lower margins in both the US and the UK were due to the same IP deal in Q2 last year, which included a large license. Our effective tax rate in Q2 was 25.9% compared with 25.5 last year, which is within the expected range for the full fiscal year. On a gap basis, net earnings were $314.8 million and EPS was $1.18 per diluted shares. Excluding $31 million in acquisition and integration-related costs, net earnings for the quarter were $338.4 million, up 4.3% from last year, and net margin increased by 20 basis points to 10.8%. Adjusted earnings per shares, as a result, were $1.26 per diluted share, up 7.7% from $1.17 last year. Profitable growth, operational excellence, and share buybacks drove EPS accretion in Q2. Our operations continue to produce strong cash flow. In the second quarter, we generated $396 million or 12.7% of revenue. This includes a positive IFRS 16 impact of approximately $45 million. Over the last 12 months, we generated $1.6 billion in cash from operations or 13.4% of revenue. Cash management, as always, remains a priority. We continue sustaining service levels for our clients, allowing for strong cash collections. DSO was 51 days stable compared with last year when adjusting for the impact of currency fluctuation at the end of Q2. In Q2, we continued allocating capital with discipline. We invested $89 million back into our business. We invested over $1 billion buying back and canceling 10.4 million shares of CGI, and we merged with France-based Mitzi, bringing additional IP into our portfolio, as well as TerraFink, which closed on the last day of the quarter and will deepen our work with the U.S. federal government. These integrations continue to progress at pace in virtual formats and with the same discipline applied to all of our integrations. Both integrations will be completed as planned in the second half of this fiscal year. Net debt at the end of Q2 stood at $3.8 billion or 29.2% net debt to capitalization when excluding IFRS 16. This compares to 17.4% at the end of Q2 last year. With an objective of successfully navigating the current crisis and reinforcing our competitive position for the rebound and beyond, we entered into a two-year unsecured term loan credit facility of 750 million U.S. dollars during the quarter. In April, we added 500 million U.S. dollars to the facility for a total of $1.25 billion U.S or 1.76 billion Canadian dollars. Before turning the call back to George, I want to reiterate that financial strength is a core value of CGI and key to the execution of our strategy. We now have nearly $1 billion in cash and an untapped $1.5 billion line of credit readily available. This financial strength anchors CGI's resilience, which George
2: will now talk about. George, Thank you, Francois. In addition to our financial strength, I would like to underscore the other attributes of CGI's resilience that are enabling us to navigate this crisis and the uncertainty we all face. First, our mix of services is weighted toward longer-term recurring revenue projects, including saas based intellectual property solutions, which are continuing without interruption. In fact, overall managed services accounted for 53% of our total revenue in the second quarter. Second, our diversified industry portfolio includes over 60% of revenue coming from industries less affected by the current crisis, including government, health care, insurance, utilities, and communications. For example, the vast majority of our government-managed services and systems integration projects have remained funded and operating. In Q2, our revenue coming from the government sector is up 6.6%, year over year. And finally, CGI's proximity-based model allows us to stay close to our clients, which is particularly important in times like these. Approximately 85% of our revenue is driven by members located in proximity to our clients, allowing for faster response in adapting to evolving client needs. This model is further complemented by a robust network of global delivery centers, with just over half located in onshore or nearshore locations, and the remaining located offshore. When taken in combination, these attributes enable CGI to mitigate the considerable business disruption created by the global pandemic on our clients' operations, an impact which varies in intensity by industry and by geography. It is important to note that CGI clients across industries and geographies are predominantly large global enterprises and governments, whom we believe are better positioned to weather this crisis. Industries that have been significantly impacted by the current crisis include manufacturing due to factory closures, transportation and logistics, particularly passenger transport, consumer retail, excluding food services, and energy, particularly in oil and gas. Although we have less overall exposure to clients in these industries, the impact some clients are facing results in the stoppage or delay some CGI systems integration projects. While we cannot predict the future, we can continue to take preventive action to preserve and protect shareholder value and to retain our talented employees, of whom 86% are also shareholders. As part of our crisis response, we have instituted cost reduction and avoidance efforts to protect our margin. In instances where CGI have stopped, uh, where CGI clients have stopped or delayed CGI projects, employees are using vacation time, reducing their hours, or if needed, taking leave without pay. We instituted temporary salary adjustments, starting with me, as well as our executive chairman and the co-chair of our board. The three of us are forfeiting all salary during this time. In addition, the independent members of our board and our corporate executive vice presidents have taken significant salary reductions. These actions, as well as our engagement in relevant government programs, allow us to supplement, in large part, lost compensation for our employees on leave without pay. This ensures that our talent is available to support clients in the rebound, while at the same time protecting shareholder value. Some of these temporary measures may need to become permanent, depending on the duration of the pandemic and the pace of the rebound activities within the impacted industries and geographies. These are difficult decisions to make, but are necessary to ensure we have the right talent and the right places to support rapidly evolving client demand. For now, we estimate that these permanent restructuring actions will result in a cost between $40 million and $75 million, which we would plan to expense over the next couple of quarters. As countries begin to reopen, we expect the focus for many commercial clients to turn to prioritizing agility and operational excellence, and we'll look to IT partnerships to deliver on these imperatives. For government clients, we expect the focus to be on managing the evolving employment programs, billions in new loans, and the initiation of new economic stimulus packages. These policies and programs will require IT services and solutions to implement, while also ensuring public accountability. CGI's annual Voice of Our Clients program was conducted over the past few months with our leaders holding over 1,400 interviews with client executives globally, in person, and more recently via video. We completed the program about a week ago, with the interviews split nearly 50-50 between the timeframe before and after the pandemic was declared. The unique timing of these strategic conversations is providing us preliminary insights into how business and IT priorities are rapidly evolving. For example, The interviews held following the pandemic declaration are revealing an even higher client demand for services and solutions associated with data analytics, application-managed services, and business agility when compared to the pre-pandemic discussions. As organizations around the world have responded to this crisis, technology has played an intrinsic and inseparable role in clients' ability to deliver critical services, sustain productivity of remote workers, and quickly adapt business models and services to new realities. Going forward, we expect this dependence on technology to deepen, creating larger and longer-term opportunities for CGI to partner with clients on initiatives to meet business objectives, including delivering operational savings. In order to best prepare for our clients' evolving priorities, we have secured additional financial flexibility to allow us to invest in CGI's future organic growth including through large recurring opportunities in both managed services and intellectual property. We also continue to assess opportunities on the buy side of our strategy in preparation for continued consolidation in our industry. To continue to best serve our clients, we plan post-crisis to accelerate the pace of metro market and transformational mergers. In order to prioritize the investment in these growth initiatives, is our intention not to utilize our stock buyback program at this time. As a company of owners, CGI is focused on being there for our people, for our clients, and for the communities we call home. We continue to hear from our clients that when complex, serious work needs to be done, they turn to CGI as their trusted partner, particularly at this time. We are confident that we will emerge post-crisis in an even stronger position to continue to execute on our build and buy strategy to the benefit of our members clients, and you, our shareholders. Thank you for your continued interest and support. Let's go to the questions now, Lauren.
1: Just a reminder that there'll be a replay of the call available either via our website or by dialing 1-800-408-3053 and using the passcode 936 That'll be available until May 30th. As well, a podcast of the call will be available for download within a few hours and follow-up questions, as usual, can be directed to me at 514-841-3355. Alana, could we pull for questions, please?
0: Certainly, thank you. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset prior to making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time. If you have a question, there will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. And the first question is from Thanos Muschopoulos with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
4: Hi, good morning. Uh, George, can you expand on uh, CGI's response to COVID? Uh, What has this transition to work from home looked like for CGI? What have been the key challenges in getting your employees up and running remotely? And then from a customer-facing perspective, what changes have you had to make to better adapt to your client's challenges and what they're asking of you?
2: Yep. So, uh, thanks for the question, uh, Thanos. Uh, I would just start with our leadership team and our employees did a fabulous job uh, preparing for and executing on our business continuity plans. And, and if anything, I would say we were a few days ahead of the su- shutdowns in, uh, in almost all uh, cases uh, in, in moving to working remotely. And, uh, really immediately, and that happened, uh, I would say pretty smoothly. Uh, I think part of that is our global delivery network where we're already used to working in some cases with, uh, remote teams across, uh, different locations, even though the vast majority of our people are located in proximity to our clients. Um, but it really immediately, uh, turned, we turned our attention to assisting many of our clients, uh, first in helping them move to remote work helping them implement uh, collaboration software in many cases, enhance cybersecurity, uh, the infrastructure associated with uh, making sure that happened. Um, And then in those early days, uh, we found ourselves actually working very quickly uh, with our clients to support their needs on behalf of their uh, clients, putting uh, changes into their applications or into their uh, services to allow them to best implement the, the programs and serve their clients and, uh, uh, and of course then we also engaged in, uh, in community work, uh, helping schools and, uh, and, uh, and the like work more remotely and, uh, and even, uh, uh I think you've seen the announcements even helping with, uh, a recruitment process, uh, for a, uh, a study, uh, on a drug, uh, with, uh, in conjunction with Montreal Heart that's now in use in, uh, in Canada, uh, New York. And uh, in the U.S. and in uh, and in Spain, and is being looked at at other places. So a lot of work. And in many of those cases, people would work uh, all night, day and night, to implement changes very rapidly, so our customers could respond. But always in collaboration with our clients.
4: Right, and uh, you mentioned over 90% of employees working at home. But if we think about uh, capacity or productivity, can you quantify what that looks like relative to pre-pandemic levels, and to what extent there still might be a gap with your ability to deliver services?
2: Yeah, as you might as you might imagine, we track that uh, very uh, very closely, uh, and, uh, and in fact, uh, uh, while well, some uh, certainly initially there was some uh, productivity hits, uh, by and large. Uh, the the fact that, uh, our members are equipped to, to work remotely, uh, working in conjunction with our clients. Uh, clients have been extremely flexible in kind of modifying the way we work, but, uh, the productivity is actually, uh, is very, uh, is very high. And I also should mention that, uh, that about, uh, 3% of our workforce, uh, a couple thousand people, uh, are, delivering essential uh, services for our clients and are either still working at uh, a CGI office in a, in a very safe manner and or working at a client site. And certainly uh, uh, so that work has continued as well. So uh, by and large, we've uh, we've been able to, to keep the productivity. Of course, that's uh, that's for the projects that continue. There has been some impact, obviously, of, of projects that uh, that could delay or stop.
4: Great. And finally, for Francois, uh, can you provide some color in terms of the uh, level of uh, COVID transition costs you may have
3: experienced in the quarter? Uh, Sorry, I didn't fully understand the question.
4: Sorry, yeah, the level of uh, transition costs you may have had in the quarter with respect to transitioning employees to working remotely, were those costs material or not worth calling out?
3: No, 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 nothing uh, material on that side. Uh, uh, Transition went pretty fast uh, going from from, – to the to the uh, to the uh, the home and working from home, so not not material costs in there. Great, thanks for that, line. Thanks, Vedas. Thanks,
5: awesome.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Stephen Lee with Raymond James. Please go ahead.
5: Um, thank you, and and hope the entire CGI team is doing well in these tough times. Um, question is on organic growth. I, I didn't get it from your prepared remarks, so uh, just wanted to follow up on that. And, and also conceptually, George, uh, should we expect organic growth to deteriorate a little more in the next couple of quarters before turning? Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, on the, uh, on the inger- uh, uh, organic growth, uh, we are most resilient in our managed uh, services and in our intellectual uh, property uh, property offerings, uh, but certainly there is a, a bigger impact in the uh, in the systems integration projects and uh, that are delayed or stopped. And this happens to both our base business and our, our uh, uh, the business that we merge into the company. Uh, in some ways, and even a bigger way, um, because they were 100% uh, systems integration consulting. Uh, uh efforts. So we do believe that uh that some of that impact will continue. Uh I can't really uh predict that right now, uh, but but I can tell you is we see some small uh positive signs where as uh, certain countries are beginning to go back to work. This is particularly happening in uh in the Scandinavian uh region. Uh we do see some of our uh consultants being called back to work. Um, but, of course, in other areas, we see uh, uh, some of that being extended. So uh, this is going to be uh, a wait and see, which is why we took the actions we did, but also why we took the actions we did on, um, on a temporary basis so that we can bring people uh, back uh, if, and when, uh, if and when needed. Is there a specific
5: number for organic growth, uh, George, for the quarter?
2: Yeah. So, well, as I mentioned, because uh, the uh, the SINC projects are impacted on both the organic side and the inorganic side, it becomes a a, a little more a little less meaningful to break it down, and uh, and a very a little more difficult to to do that. So maybe uh, Francois, you could give some of those examples and uh, and and to yeah. answer. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So so you know, I'll give you the example of uh, some acquisition we had lately, uh, CKC, for example, in in Germany where, you know, they're very heavy also on, on the manufacturing side. And again, you know, manufacturing were hit in, in Germany. So it, it, it hit what we had already in, in Germany and naturally also what uh, we purchased with, with, uh, uh, with CKC. Another example, uh, if I'm taking an example like Kando, you know, where we're doing, uh, it was a lot of business consulting. As you know, in these times, uh, with this crisis, the first thing client is is cutting is uh, high end consulting, and so that's why it it had an impact as well as as the Kendo acquisition and than the rest of the the business. So that's why we didn't uh, see relevant to split both of them, but if we would do it based on 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 the run rate like we did in the past, or you would expect it, you would have seen a, a decline in, in the. Uh, uh, in the organic growth, uh, by by close to uh, to yeah. one oh, percent. Okay, that's helpful. And then a ca- cash flow question for you,
5: François. Uh, your your CFO was down fourteen percent, and and the first six months, um, it's it's now flattish despite yeah. the IFRS uh, sixteen boost. Uh, a- anything unusual there, François? Thank you.
3: By, you know, this uh, quarter we 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 had some 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 payments, larger payments that we did in the uh, in the quarter uh that uh, we didn't have in the first quarter so that's why it, it hit us a little bit you're right that on a year-to-date basis uh we are flat despite the uh, uh ifrx 16 but uh, we had some some payment uh, that uh, we did from the restructuring that uh, we announced at the beginning of the year and that put some uh, pressure to to uh, on, on the cash from ops and uh, that's why you're seeing it uh, flat uh, year over year but still very good cash generation with more than $800 million for the first six months and 1.6, more than $1.6 for for the last 12 months. So still good cash generation.
5: Uh, very helpful.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Steve.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Richard C. with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
2: Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, so, George, I noticed that you, you guys announced uh, – an actual win here this morning, um, which is uh, kind of quite notable, so I wonder if maybe just give us a bit of color on that, and I guess in that context, you know what your ability is like to you know, sign bookings uh, on the
6: current crisis here
2: yep, thanks uh, thanks, Richard. Uh, yeah, we did have a nice uh, nice win uh, that we just uh, announced is actually awarded uh, uh, last week, and we uh, were able to announce it here. Um it's actually a, a total cybersecurity uh engagement for uh eighty six different uh agencies across the US federal government. It's uh it's a sister type uh effort to uh to one that we were awarded uh, uh I think eighteen months ago or so. Uh that had a three hundred thirty five million dollar booking over six years. Obviously that's going very well uh because we were able to uh to win this uh this uh award and uh it's it uh, it's net new business. It will uh, actually will be hiring for that, which is nice uh, given uh, some of the other uh, headwinds that are going on in other parts of the world. And uh, I think it's a testament to the the strength of the uh, CGI Federal team there in uh, in the U.S. It comes at a nice time too, because you you might have noticed that the bookings were uh, depressed in uh, in the U.S. federal business. Uh, part of that's just uh, the, uh, the the focus that the government has uh, right now on uh, public health, but uh, we do believe there will be stronger bookings uh, in the next quarter in all of our government uh, businesses. And then looking forward, we actually uh, believe that uh, we're well positioned, um, if you will, to help our clients uh, both respond to the crisis and rebound uh, from the crisis. And and if you think about uh, the the last crisis in 2008, obviously a very different uh, a different crisis and you can't really compare the two. Uh, but uh, some of the solutions are being repurposed in a very big way to help our clients at this, uh, at this time, uh, helping them implement government programs and grants management, which uh, obviously have uh, uh, ERP software around the world, particularly in the U.S., helping them with payroll services because a lot of these stimulus programs go through payroll. Uh, we have uh, a lot of those services in Canada Scandinavia, Finland, Poland, and the Baltics, helping with remote learning. Uh, we're actually doing that both in the uh, in the UK and France as our clients transition to a whole new new way of working. The education space is uh, is kind of pioneering and innovating. We have uh, solutions to help there. Help in public health. Uh, we have telemedicine uh, uh, solutions, and um, we're actually helping the government in uh, in the UK and some pilot projects around testing and monitoring because uh unfortunately this crisis doesn't uh, necessarily end until we have the uh the uh, the final solution and uh, even as we begin to reopen i mentioned uh, the uh, the opportunity helping montreal health um and uh and then also on the you know as as clients rebound from this uh, there's opportunities for us to help them uh, both governments uh, financial institutions and the like in, uh, in collections, in payments, in fraud detection, uh, even digital solutions for consumer retail. We're actually seeing projects get accelerated on, uh, on, uh, in the consumer retail space around digital, uh, and we, we uh, recently uh, merged with uh, METI, who has some solutions in that area that complement our own retail solutions. So uh, it's a long way of answering your very simple question of uh, do you think you can book uh, work in the uh, in the current uh, climate. Uh, obviously, much more pressure in the immediate term when uh, when clients were just focused on uh, making sure that they could keep their services going. But as we look to uh, kind of the new normal, if you will, um, all of these solutions uh, help. And I guess I should mention the the biggest one, which is really the uh, the, the managed services. We believe that the uh, selling cycle. Will uh, shorten, and the savings uh, value proposition will strengthen uh, for our managed services uh, solutions. Uh, and because uh, fewer partners can be relied on, and obviously the, uh, the savings are, uh, are needed by our clients. So um, we, we believe that uh, that uh, in, a, in a safe and uh, responsible manner, we can be there to help our clients with solutions for these tough times. Okay. And then uh, with the respect to sort of M&A,
7: no doubt you guys are quite well capitalized here. But my guess is that some of the prospects that you're you know, looking at in the past may not have been given some of these metro market companies. Do you get a sense at this point in time uh, whether those
2: valuations are going to come in to you, you know, kind of down the road here? Yeah, well, we would, uh, we would certainly expect that the, uh, that the valuations would, uh, would change. They are changing for the public companies, for the private companies. It would be the, uh, the same. Uh, the payback period obviously would, uh, become more attractive for us in merging. Uh, I think the impetus for a lot of these companies to, uh, to join with a company like CGI also strength, strengthened. So I think all those uh, work in our favor. Of course, we will still be very, uh, uh, very diligent and focused on uh, making sure that uh, we're merging with the right companies. Uh, even if the, the timing and the price becomes uh, far more attractive, um, we we'll still look for all three. But that's why I mentioned uh, we did uh, make sure that we were capitalized to, uh, to take advantage of that opportunity. Okay. Just one last one for me. This is probably more Francois, but um, have there been any requests from any of your current customers to maybe push or defer payments here uh, over the short term? Yeah, I'll start. I'll start, Francois, and then you can uh, you can uh, you can close. And the reason I'm going to start, uh, Richard, is the the best antidote for that. Yes, we have had a few of those requests. But the best antidote for that is, uh, superior delivery, which our teams are doing. And, uh, that's how we start. And then, uh, uh, and then of course we expect the, uh, the payment to come with that because of the excellent service that we are providing and in lo- many cases, critical service. So, uh, Francois, you've had a couple of those requests. Uh, they, uh, we've instituted a process. They all come to Francois. And so far, Francois, what's the yeah. answer? <laughs> no, <laughs> so, so it, it,
3: exactly what like George is saying. Uh, you know, the, the first thing I had a couple of calls uh, with some of the CFOs in the in the market, and again, the first question I ask is uh, how's the service going and all that, and and uh, naturally uh, with the answer positive answer we have. Again, we're talking um, saying you know by you know you need to to pay for these services so and and we put yes, we did put uh, something uh, inside internal to have uh, me going to me for for approval to for any extension and and for now, we did, didn't give uh, any extension. At the same time, you know since Coins is asking us for for delay in payments, uh, we are also doing the same thing with our suppliers. And uh, in some places, we're taking advantage of some governments' uh, payroll taxes that uh, they accepted to push. So we'll take that in consideration. As uh, like a real estate that uh, we are having discussion with some of the owners to to push some 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 payments. So so what uh, you know, it, it, it's it's both sides of, of the equation that we're working on on the cash. Okay, great.
1: Appreciate the call. Thank you. Thanks, Richard.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Mayor Yagi with Desjardins. Please go
7: ahead. Yes, thank you for taking my question. I want to start with um, a question on, on on the things you can control uh, with revenues being in flux and uh, hard to assess what's happening with uh, COVID and how long it's going to take. You have uh, much more control on your cost structure and We've seen it in in the quarter here uh, with earnings growing. I wanted to ask you about your EPS accretion for 2020. Um, What's your expectation in terms of how much revenue would need to decline for you to not be able to support a growth in EPS year on year? I have another question to follow up.
2: Yeah, thanks for the uh thanks for the question mayor. Um it's uh, as as you correctly state uh the uncertain times obviously make it very hard to predict on the uh on the revenue side, but we do have uh in our business uh we're able to protect the mar- margin uh because most of our costs are vari- variable and as a services firm this is mostly other costs, which is why we took the actions we did. On the, uh, both the permanent restructuring, but also on the temporary, uh, leave without pay situation to make sure that we keep our, our costs, uh, in control. Um, of course, we can't protect all of the margin given the fact that, uh, that we do have, um, uh, you know, with the lost revenue uh, at some point, uh, you do have that. We have a, a set of different scenarios. Um, and uh, and we're monitoring that, but uh, you can be sure that uh, we're looking to uh, uh, to protect our margin in in all cases even as we are responsible for our clients and uh, and realistically, uh, obviously our plans for um, for uh, where we want to go in the short term are interrupted, but uh, I want to be clear that uh, we're committed to the uh, to uh, continuing to, to meet our aspiration of doubling the company over the next five to seven years, even though our short-term plans may be uh, may be interrupted.
7: Is, is the situation uh, severe enough at this point in time for you not to be able to grow your EPS year-on-year in 2020?
2: I, I think know it's, it's, uh, it's hard, uh, to,
7: predict gonna yeah, it's road, hard to predict what's going to happen down the road, as you see it right now.
2: Yeah, yeah it's dependent. Uh, right now, uh, like i said uh we see a pretty uh stable environment uh we have uh it fluctuates uh between two and five percent of our uh our our members on uh on uh a temporary leave without pay situation as i as i mentioned um, uh, but we've already had some of those consultants uh, called back and then we 've had others added to that so it's it's fairly stable. In that range right now and from talking to our clients we we don't know uh, where uh, where we'll go but from talking to our clients right now we're very close to our clients uh, we believe we can uh, we can manage in that uh, in that range but again it's going to be dependent on both governments and the timing of when and how they reopen and dependent on our customers uh, our clients and their customers on how quickly some of that returns we believe in the intermediate term when we're, in we're in a strong position but uh, it's right now it's uh it, it literally uh it's changing on okay. a, on a, a daily weekly basis so it's it's difficult to predict uh, that's all okay. I
7: no that's that's helpful on on the backlog uh you know we, we have a a very strong set of, you know uh, amount of backlog in that you can count on but uh, how much of that backlog could be at risk you know trying to see could we see some, not delays, but uh, uh, cancellations of contracts that you have in the backlog? Have you started seeing something like that?
2: No, the vast majority of that, uh, of that work is in the managed services area. It's, uh, it, it's typically pretty critical to our clients to continue that. Uh, in reality, we've actually seen some expansions. Of some of that, uh, of some of that work, uh, in the, uh, in the early days here that actually contributed to some of our stronger bookings in places like, uh, central and eastern, uh, Europe. So, uh, right now we believe that looks, uh, that looks pretty solid. We don't see a lot of that. Of course, some add-on systems integration projects on top of that backlog doesn't uh, happen as quickly, but we're pretty conservative in how we uh, how we book that backlog. So we're not uh, we're not very concerned right now. At, uh, at this point, it's pretty solid.
7: Great. And my last question: I saw that you increased your credit line, and in, in April, you, as you mentioned this morning, you um, you're putting a pause on your backlog. Uh, how much of those moves are related to conserving cash? Versus being opportunistic for uh, potential increases in M&A possibilities in the next couple of years, trying to just see, uh, yeah. you know, your views on that.
2: Yeah, it's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect question, and uh, and uh, you, you did give the answer. It, it's by and large, it's positioning us for the uh, for the future, uh, but but taking that opportunity to do it now to ensure that uh, we we uh we had that uh, at our access uh for if and when those opportunities present themselves so uh it really was uh more about our future growth both organically because we, as i said we do believe that the managed services uh value proposition strengthens in this current environment and uh and, and to do those deals properly sometimes uh it takes some some cash and then uh, obviously our intellectual property and as i mentioned uh that's well suited for these uh, tougher times that our clients face. And then uh, ultimately on the buy side, as as we mentioned, uh, uh, we do believe there are clear clearly going to be opportunities for merger opportunities uh, post-crisis.
7: Okay. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Jason Kupferberg with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Kathy on for Jason. Um, just wanted to ask about on the demand side, I know you guys said that there were delays in contract awards, but just wanted to get a little more color on what you're seeing in terms of the pace of new requests for proposals, um, conversion of these RFPs in the bookings, ramp of existing work into revenue, and have you seen an uptick in sort of like client price concessions? Thanks.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of questions there, Kathy, but uh, I'll try to... I'll try to get there. Um, I think your, your main uh, your main question was really, you know, what are we seeing in the on on the demand side, and uh, and and what we're seeing is uh, it does vary by both industry and by geography. And, and the industries that we are seeing uh, more demand, obviously, are in the the health, the utilities, the critical services, and of course uh, government. And those are really uh, working. Although there was that initial uh interruption due to kind of governments uh being to, to, to focused on the of the public health uh we're seeing those uh those projects continue uh the demand is actually pretty strong as i mentioned and uh and so uh and that's across all those uh, telecommunications would uh, would be one as well the on the critical infrastructure side um and and you know for example in in the u k uh, we're a named strategic supplier to the uh, to the central government and uh, and we've been very active in assisting on projects of national importance uh on their behalf and so uh in fact we're hiring in uh in the UK and as i mentioned with the award we just had in the uh in the US federal we're hiring there as well where it's most impacted on the demand side uh is very clear and i call, i called some of those out is where you have um a factory closed Obviously, the demand is uh, is very different, and uh, we do see that in manufacturing. We saw that initially in uh, in consumer retail, but even in consumer retail, we're seeing a shift to uh, omni-channel help as uh, as uh, their customers are shifting very quickly. And then uh, on your final question on on price uh, concessions, we have had some of our uh, clients come to us and look for uh, various uh, discounts. Uh, we, as I have mentioned, we're working very collaboratively with our clients, and that's part of the CGI model and the proximity. Um, and, and in those cases where we've been asked for that, we've worked uh, collaboratively with them to say, okay, what can we do on scope uh, changes or even expansions to allow for a reduction for them without uh, an impact on CGI and maybe even a positive impact on CGI? And we've been successful on a, on a couple of those. We're in discussions on others, and so we haven't seen any material uh, changes in that regard. Much like we talked about with the uh, with the payment terms, and it all comes down to having those close relationships uh, with our customers. I've had a number of uh, of these discussions uh, at the at the CEO levels, and uh, I think they're they're clu- uh, Truly, uh, we're working together, and, and thankful in helping uh, helping them meet their customers' needs, and therefore uh, helping uh, CGI continue to be uh, resilient at this time.
0: Thanks. And just one follow-up, but more like a clarification question. Um, I know you guys mentioned yeah. the 40 to 75 million restructuring costs um, expected for the next few quarters. Are you sort of expecting that majority to land in third quarter with a little bit in fourth mm-hmm. quarter? And then on the, are you guys still expecting incremental restructuring costs with the Portugal, Brazil, and Sweden delivery centers? Thanks.
2: Yeah uh we have uh you know answer your last question first we are expecting just uh, a limited amount uh, uh still within the range we announced uh, there's just some trailing uh, items in Sweden uh, all the rest is uh is past us um, uh, Francois can give you the the exact number maybe but uh but then on the uh on the um on the other items you know the uh the timing is difficult to predict and and let me maybe start this way it is our hope that we won't need to use uh, anything close to the upper end of that range, because uh, because uh, things will recover uh, quicker. And, and remember, these are members that uh, that are very important. They were doing uh, important work before this crisis. Uh, they're dislocated. It's why we took some of the actions we did on the uh, on the salary uh, reductions. Uh, that money is going to. Uh, to, to really supplement their uh, their pay and uh, and therefore not uh, impact the uh, the company's uh, uh, bottom line protecting our shareholders, so we don 't want to do any of it, um, but we will have to take actions if necessary. So I think it would probably be split uh, between the quarters just depending on how these openings happen and what we see, how the clarity comes, but right now uh, if I had to guess, and it really is a guess, I don't think we'll have full clarity uh, for another uh, couple months. Okay?
0: Thank yeah, thanks for my question. God.
3: Thank you, Cassie. Okay, thanks.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Stephanie Price with CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning. Just to follow up, up on the, the last question, and just wondering what you're seeing from competitors in the current environment, and, and whether competitors have gotten more pri- more competitive in terms of pricing out there.
2: Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't really seen uh, seen that, Stephanie. Uh, if anything, we've seen uh, some of our competitors uh, maybe not move quite as quickly as uh, we were able to move to the to the new way of working remotely. Uh, we filled some gaps. For some of our competitors from that perspective, I think that was uh, – uh, I think our ability to do that was really the fact that we are in proximity to our clients. We live and work in the same locations. And so uh, so when various shutdowns occurred, uh, shelter-in-place orders happened, uh, uh, our people were already in the locations and didn't have to uh, have a, a disparity between your home location, shelter-at-home versus your client's shelter-at-home uh, uh, area, But uh, right now, uh, as I mentioned, we have had a couple requests from our, our clients on discounts, but we haven't seen anything uh, uh, regarding uh, broader uh, changes in the, uh, in the landscape. Uh, it's still early days, but we haven't seen that right uh, at this point.
0: Okay, great. And in terms of the IP and cloud business, just hoping you could talk a little bit about the relative resilience of that business, uh, both in the short term and, and maybe in the longer term as well.
2: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, thanks for the question. Uh, certainly, the, uh, our IP is uh, is is becoming a, a bigger value proposition in the fact that uh, uh, all of it, uh, or the majority of it, is accessible uh, via software as a service. It's still right around only half of our IP is purchased uh, software as a service, but uh, we do believe that that would uh, increase. Um, as uh, as clients add capacity and uh, infrastructure, and look to uh, to providers like us to provide the uh, the service, and not have to not have to deal with that themselves. So uh, we think it's a strong environment for that. But I, I got to tell you, more important than um, the infrastructure side on on cloud, it, it really is the business solutions themselves, uh, Stephanie, that that becomes the more uh, important element, and, and I mentioned we have a, a number of our software actually uh, uh, provides uh, critical business services. Maybe even more critical at this time uh, for the, some of those business services. And we've actually modified some of that uh, IP to uh, to be more relevant in the current environment. Uh, so uh, we think it's a it's a stronger environment for IP, and of course that's uh, that's nice to, to be able to say because. Uh, Uh, Both SAS and license and maintenance uh, IP is at the higher end of the CJAC margins, as you know.
0: Great. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Stephanie.
0: Thank you. you. The next question is from Deepak Kosho with Stifo GMP. Please go ahead.
6: Oh, hi. Uh, Good morning, guys. Uh, Thanks for taking my questions. Um, George Francois, I, I know there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of uncertainty in the near term. I'm curious, you know, given that you've done 50% of the voice of the client after the impact of COVID and you have an army of, of high-value consultants, what kind of permanent structural changes do you anticipate as a result of this pandemic? And and what do you think in terms of strategy, how you can change or tactically adjust to take advantage of, the, of these structural changes going forward?
2: Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks Deepak. Uh, we actually uh, do have a, an army of consultants right now thinking through those uh, those questions and, and in fact we have uh, uh, really a, a point of view quite frankly by industry because it's it's going to vary uh, by industry and uh, I do agree with you there will be some permanent changes. Uh, obviously we had a, a broken uh, uh, supply chain in many uh, many industries uh, as that gets reorganized as, uh, as, as certainly, uh customers now have been accelerated to e- be even more digital than they were uh they were previously and uh i think there there are going to be opportunities across each of the industries and we're evaluating and quite frankly they're different by industry and uh and we're uh, we're looking at those uh those opportunities and and essentially the way we're looking at this is really three phases uh deepak we're looking at the the respond phase which essentially is what we're in now. And I mentioned some of the things that we were doing to help our clients, which only deepened our relationship during the respond phase. Um, but then there's going to be an initial rebound phase. And uh, in that rebound phase, uh, so that's where some of our IP, as we talked about, will really, uh, will really apply, but also those managed services for the, uh, for the uh, cost savings uh, becomes a, a better value proposition. But then we believe there's going to be a third phase, which is reinvent. And that's where some of those permanent structural changes are going to occur. And I've had a number of discussions with CEOs where they said, you know, we're evaluating right now, as we've reacted to this uh, this crisis, what things are we going to keep doing that same way? And what things are we going to change back to the way we were before? And uh, everybody's looking at that. And I think it will be industry by industry. But in some cases, it will be uh, company by company and uh so we're uh, we're preparing for that uh as we speak and that's why it was so valuable to have done the uh the voice of the customer the way we did it and again just another shout out to uh to both uh our uh member employees as well as our clients um the fact that we were able to continue those strategic discussions uh really almost seamlessly in the remote uh, world and get the uh Get the value from it, uh, I think is a testament to uh, the relationships we have
6: okay, thank you and then just a quick follow up um, on the m a strategy, I was hoping for some more nuanced insight on the to metro market versus transformational you know you 've been doing a lot of metro uh, that 's quite yep. well understood um, transformational like the last big one was logica it seems like it 's becoming a bigger priority now to look at transformational can you get these done in environments where governments are saying we don 't want companies to be forced to sell? Um, how do you think that plays out and, and, and you know I, I know it 's hard to give us a sense of timing, but you know, is this kind of a a one year to two year to get done, or is it a is it a six months to get done or a five year thing that that we should think about in terms of transformational
2: yeah no I, I wish i could I wish I could answer the the timing point, but uh, we want to be prepared. Uh, for, uh, for any of those, uh, scenarios. But, uh, the tilt towards, uh, to transformational is, is very simple, right? The, the, the valuations of those larger companies obviously, uh, become more attractive. The payback period becomes more attractive and, uh, becomes more, uh, doable. Um, I'm not as concerned about, uh, the point you make about, uh, uh about the company, uh, you know, the company takeover. Uh, scenario because uh, in really in all cases uh, we come in as uh, as really the local uh, players whether it's a metro market uh, uh, merger or or a broader one so uh, in many ways we can uh, we can work uh, work with governments and, and mitigate that we've, we've done that successfully even in the U S so I'm, I'm not as concerned about that but um, but certainly the the opportunity and the tilt towards transformational is really all about the uh, the opportunity. And uh, that pricing has a big, uh, big play in that.
6: Oh, okay. And should we expect something transformational to look like a CGI, and, and where you take out cost synergies, or to look very different from a CGI, where you you can get a broader kind of um, capability?
2: No, I think it's uh, we we have end-to-end services. We like our end-to-end services. I think you'll see us stay true to those end-to-end services. So uh, it, it would uh, it would look more like that.
1: Okay.
0: Thank you for taking my questions.
1: Thanks, Deepak. Okay.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Paul Traiber with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
4: Oh, thanks very much and good morning. just want to follow up on one of your last comments on CGI's proximity model. Just, you know, broadly speaking, are you seeing from your customer base an increasing willingness or uh, you know, improved or, or change in sentiment uh, that they may have towards onshore or nearshore, Versus offshore, uh, you know, there's been tremendous push over the last, I don't know, like 20 years probably for offshore. Do you think, you know, the disruption uh, that that came out in this environment is perhaps, you know, much more apparent to end customers now, and they're maybe shifting their priorities a bit?
2: Yeah, we have seen uh, we have seen some of that, and we've had uh, discussions with clients, or actually in discussions with clients about that now. Uh, the pockets of I uh, would call it uh, rebalancing. Um, not wholesale, it's not exiting uh, the, the offshore, but there are pockets of, uh, of rebalancing, and uh, we think we're very well positioned for that. Um, I also should take the opportunity to, uh, to let you know our India operations has uh, performed extremely well. Uh, all of our uh, global delivery centers, ext- uh, but particularly in India, uh, performed extremely well. Uh, obviously, you know the, the twenty one days shutdown and then that was extended. Uh, all of our people were able to transition uh, remotely. Uh, you saw the margins uh, this is, uh, this is even in uh, you know, at least the beginning of the shutdown period, and that continues so um, I think that becomes a, a a differentiator and I guess Paul, what I see is uh, clients looking for partners that can do the right balance. And this is what we always have said to our, our, our clients. Uh, you know, it's a global delivery. It's not uh, onshore or offshore. It's, it's really a, a global delivery. We'll put the right services in the right places and make sure that they're comfortable. And that's the conversation we're having as some are looking
1: at uh, doing that rebalancing. Okay. Okay. Thanks for taking my question. I'll leave it at that. Thanks, Paul. I'll, I guess Thanks. we'll take one more question.
0: Thank you. The last question will be from Rob Young with Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead.
8: Hi, good morning. Um, you said that you'd uh, you'd seen the cycle sales cycle shortening on uh, managed services, or perhaps you said you expected to see that. Maybe you'd clear that clarify that for me. And then, what's giving you the um, the confidence to say that? Is it um, better access to more senior decision makers in your customers? Is this crisis getting you better access? Um, at the higher level, is it previous discussions that are accelerating? Um, why are you confident that you're going to see that cycle shortly?
2: Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'll start this way. Um, it's mainly uh, an expectation, but it's an expectation based on uh, on a strengthening value proposition as far as uh, what that uh, provides to our clients. But it's all of the above. Uh, there are more discussions being had at the at the senior. Uh, client level, uh, they're more engaged in these discussions given what uh, what they're going through, and uh, and then like I mentioned, the uh, the value proposition becomes uh, much stronger. So it really is uh, all of the above, um, but uh, this is where we uh, and 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 it's also based on what we've seen in past, uh, in past and past crises and and what um, and how uh, the behaviors and the pressures on our clients change. And uh, and how we can then uh, provide the offering to help them. And yes, we have had uh, a number of these discussions ongoing uh, straight through this uh, this crisis period.
8: Okay. And are you seeing that accelerate? Uh, Is is it actually shortening, or do you expect it to shorten?
2: We expect it to shorten.
8: Okay. And then just one clarification. One of your peers said that they expected a top line impact from travel reimbursement. I assume that. Even 85% of your revenue, like you said earlier, comes from members in proximity, that isn't as much of an issue for you. Maybe you just talk about that and then that's
2: it. Yeah, we have a we have a, a much smaller amount of that, and that's a good news bad news story because uh, we also don't have uh, uh, have any of the benefits of of having people uh, in the short term uh, not uh, not traveling and have the uh, the impact of that on our on our bottom line. But uh, no, that's not uh, that's not a big item for us. It, you know there are some projects where where it occurs, but it's it's minimal. Thanks. Thank you,
1: Rob. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again with the Q three results uh, in July. Again, follow up with me five one four eight four one three three five five. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Right.